Okay, we're going to break tradition today so you can mark this down. Um, in the first time in 11 years, we're going to actually have a Christmas message on Christmas, uh, Christmas time here. So we're going to be going through a couple of passages today that talk about the birth of Jesus. And one of the things that stands out is the fact that it was a virgin birth. So kind of pay attention to that when we come across it in the passages. And we're going to focus on some of that. So we'll spend a few minutes talking about that. But the first passage is in Matthew chapter 1. So if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to look down starting with verse 18. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So it says, after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, you notice here that it refers to Mary as the mother of Jesus, right? But it doesn't refer to Joseph as the father. And we'll examine this later on. Uh, Joseph and Mary, uh, because of the betrothal here, they were in a binding contract to be married. The first part of that contract was called the betrothal period. And we can kind of relate to that in our culture. You know, we talk about people being engaged. They're looking forward to getting married. But in their culture, the betrothal period was considered as binding as a marriage covenant. So much so that if they broke that betrothal, then they'd have to get a certificate of divorce. So very, very serious uh, relationship commitment here. And it says here that before they came together, that's telling us that they had no marital relations as of yet. Mary was a virgin, and that's what that is very clearly letting us see here. But it says after that she's basically a virgin, it says, but she was found with child. Well, that's pretty shocking in itself. And then to add to that, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's a divine conception, okay? So this is where it gets really interesting because although Mary's a virgin, she's also pregnant. And those two things don't usually go together, right? And we're told very plainly here that the father of the child was not a human being. The child was of the Holy Spirit is the phrase it uses. So how does that work? <laughs> Well, we're going to see the Lord explain a little bit more about that later on. Look to verse 19. It says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So we see something here about Joseph. He had the option of making a public spectacle of her in this, and he chose not to do that. But it says he was going to put her away. He was going to have that separation, give her that certificate of divorce. But he was going to do it secretly so it wouldn't bring a lot of public shame to her. And uh, there was, it shows us uh, something about the character of Joseph. But it says here, first of all, then Joseph, her husband. So you notice again, Joseph is consistently referred to as the husband of Mary, but not as the father of the child. And that's intentional by the Lord. And even though Jer Joseph and Mary were in this betrothal period, they were viewed as husband and wife. And that's why it says Joseph, her husband. It doesn't say her future husband. It says her husband. Okay. 
uh, in their betrothal, they were viewed that way because that's how serious they saw that betrothal commitment. The Jewish society was very moral at this time, at least outwardly, kind of like our society used to be. I know when I was just a kid growing up, uh, immoral actions back then were looked upon as being very shameful, you know. Unfortunately, in our society today, the word shame has pretty much disappeared from our normal vocabulary, and immorality is viewed as a very normal thing, and is pretty well seen as just accepted these days, okay? But in their culture at that time, it was still a very immoral thing, and like I said, outwardly, they were a very moral society. They had the law of God, and they tried to follow that, at least outwardly, okay? We know they were still sinners, and they still had issues and problems. But it tells us here about Joseph too. It says being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example was mine to put her away secretly. Now when it says he was a just man here, it means that Joseph knew the difference between right and wrong. And in his heart and mind, he always wanted to do the right thing. So being a just man Joseph did not want to marry someone who was a fornicator. And that's what he would naturally assume about Mary since she was pregnant and he knew that it was not his child. So from the natural outlook here, in his mind, he's thinking, okay, she's told me she's pregnant. She told me it was a miraculous thing. That's kind of hard to swallow. So my assumption has to be she must have had a fornication relationship with someone. It wasn't me because it's not my child. So if that were true that Mary, about Mary and she had committed fornication, then in their culture, Mary would be considered defiled. And he did not want to marry someone like that. And you go even further, you think about this. If Mary had been unfaithful to Joseph while they were still in their betrothal period, then what are the chances that she's going to be faithful after they get married? So even practically speaking, going through with the marriage would not seem like a good idea. And that's what Joseph is wrestling with here as he's thinking about this. So it goes on then in verse 20. It says, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So it's interesting, it tells us that while he was thinking about these things, and this tells us something about Joseph too, he was not an impulsive man, but he would think things through before he committed to any actions. So while he was thinking through this situation and deciding you know, what he should do, the Lord intervened and helped him with this decision. Aren't you glad when the Lord intervenes in our decisions? You know, his ways are so much better than our ways. His ways are perfect and ours are not. So we say, Lord, please intervene in our plans whenever you need to. And that's, that should be the prayer of our heart constantly, Lord. We'll make our plans, we'll do what we think we need to do, but if you need to intervene, please do so and keep us from making the wrong decision. So the Lord did that for Joseph here. We're told, too, how he did that. It says, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So the Lord chose to speak to Joseph through dreams. And he does that for some time afterward as we get the rest of the story, if you read through that. 
So the Lord knows exactly how to get our attention, and it appears that this was a way in which Joseph was going to clearly understand what the Lord was going to tell him. So we're so blessed today. We've got the written word of God in our hands, and we can go anytime and open the word of God and pray and seek the Lord, and he can, he can give us the answer, the wisdom that we need. And even in specific situations, maybe that you don't see that detail in the word of God, should I buy this car or not, we can still pray, and the Lord will give us wisdom and direction. But in this time period, Joseph, you know, he, he doesn't walk around with a Bible in his belt, <laughs> so He's got to trust the Lord for his leading, and the Lord used dreams here to get a hold of him. So here's this angel that comes to him in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid, okay? Don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife, and here's the reason, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So Joseph, he had some fears and doubts about marrying, uh, taking Mary to be his wife. I mean, fears of displeasing the Lord by marrying someone who is defiled as a fornicator. He didn't want to do that. Also fears of making a terrible mistake by marrying an unfaithful woman and ended up with a miserable life. So these are thoughts I'm sure that are going through his mind and he's got some real fears about, man, I don't want to make the wrong decision here, you know. Also by Mary being pregnant during that betrothal period, it's going to cause Joseph to have great doubts about accepting her as his wife. He does have an option. He can say, I'll, I'll put her away, I'll give her a certificate of divorce, and then I'll start over and see if I can find a good wife, you know? But the Lord spoke to calm Joseph's fears here and his doubts, and he used this angel he was speaking through to reach Joseph. And you know what? The Lord can speak to our fears and doubts too. You know, if we need wisdom and guidance, what does the Lord tell us to do? said so we simply need to ask, right? But he says to ask in faith, not doubting that the Lord's going to answer that prayer. And the Lord is very willing to help us in our time of need. You know, we, we have to trust him and do things exactly his way when he gives us the answer, but he does not mind helping us at all. The Lord's fully into that. And here's, that's what Joseph's going to do here. He's going to obey exactly what the Lord told him to do. So he's a great example for being an obedient servant of the Lord. Uh, go on to verse 21. It says, and the angel still giving him this message, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph here was told that the baby that Mary was carrying was a boy. And that was without our modern ultrasound equipment. <laughs> What's more accurate than an ultrasound? the Lord who created us. <laughs> That's a whole lot more accurate. So he got the message to Joseph, she's carrying a boy, it's a son. Then the angel told Joseph what the name of a boy was supposed to be, what it was to be given to him. And we're gonna see later that the angel had already told Mary the same thing. So his name, Jesus, it means God saves. So every time that you or I say the name of Jesus, we're declaring that God saves. And I think that is so awesome. That's why I love to say the name Jesus. <laughs> then it was explained to Joseph here too why that name was to be given to the baby boy. It says, for he will save his people from their sins. And notice who he's going to save, his people. 
You know, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. But the only ones who are going to be saved are those who accept what Jesus did for them on the cross, those who receive Jesus into their life. And it's not enough just to know what Jesus did for you on the cross. You have to believe that he paid for your sins completely. And that's why he said it is finished just before he gave up his spirit on the cross. So if we receive Jesus, if we put our faith and trust in him alone, then we become one of his people, like it says in this verse. And if you are one of his people, what does it say about you? That he will save you from your sins. Isn't that awesome? So that's why Jesus came, and that's why he was given the name of Jesus, because he was coming to save people. That's so cool. Verse 22, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. So the Lord tells us here he had already predicted that all of this was going to happen in a very miraculous way. And we're told here too, if you notice this in verse 22, that it was the Lord, he's the one who predicted it through the prophet. So this is direct revelation prophecy from the Lord. Okay, and here it is in verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So this prophecy was made through the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. And at that time, if you go back and read that passage, this prophecy was given to encourage the king of Judah. It was supposed to be a sign to let him know that in a relatively short time, you know, the time it takes a child to be born and then grow to the age of knowing right and wrong, which is just a couple years old, it says by that time his enemies are going to fall apart and not be a problem for him any longer. So this was to be a sign to him. But Matthew here in the New Testament, he lets us know this prophecy has an even greater fulfillment in the virgin birth of Jesus. So Jesus' virgin birth is a sign that he is the chosen one. He is the Messiah. And he would be even greater than expected because he would not only be human, but he would also be God. And that's why the name Emmanuel is explained here. It lets us know that this male child was going to bring the very presence of God among the people. Isn't that amazing? So it is so amazing Lord loves us that much that he would send his son to come live among us and to be one of us only without sin. And that means that Jesus had no sin nature. And we're told that multiple places in scripture. We'll give some verses on that a little bit later. But look at verse 24 after this prophecy was given and it says all of this was predicted. This shouldn't be any surprise. The Lord said this a long time ago. Verse 24, then Joseph being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. Now, I don't know about you, maybe we need to be aroused from sleep sometimes to obey the Lord. <laughs> maybe we have drifted and fallen asleep and not paid attention to what the Lord says, but Joseph here says when he was aroused from sleep, he did just what the Lord told him to do. So this tells us how obedient Joseph was to the Lord. I mean, think about this. 
when he laid his head down to sleep the night before, he was contemplating divorce. But after hearing from the Lord, he completely changed his direction and he takes Mary to be his wife. And the Lord makes it clear that Joseph did this in obedience to the Lord's command. So it doesn't say Joseph thought, you know what, I really like her anyway, I think I'll go through with this. That wasn't his reason. His reason was, if the Lord told me to do this, then regardless of how I feel, regardless of what I think, even if I don't understand this somehow, I still need to obey the Lord. What a heart of obedience. Very cool thing to see in Joseph. And you know what? I hope we can have a testimony like that in our life, where if we've made our mind up to do one thing, but we've heard from the Lord to do differently, I hope immediately we change our plans. Say, Lord, I don't care what I feel, what I think right now. I see you tell me to do this, and it goes against me, against my thoughts, my, my imaginations, my understanding, but I'm going to obey you, Lord. I'm going to do it your way. I hope we can have that testimony to give to the Lord and return that, that back to him. So we ask ourselves, you know, are you open to the Lord changing your plans? <laughs> Sometimes we make our plans and we think we've got it figured out. But man, I tell you what, if the Lord intervenes, if he has to tell us something, I pray we say, Lord, your will be done, not my will be done, right? And remember, his ways are perfect, so it should be a lot easier for us to, to say, I'll, I'll go your direction, Lord. Okay, looking down to verse 25. Let me see if I can quiet my phone. I forgot to do that. Sorry, guys. Verse 25, it says, And he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So Mary... She conceived when she was a virgin, and she delivered her first child when she was a virgin. And it says, we're going to find out that with God all things are possible, right? So this is amazing that it really is a virgin birth, not just a virgin conception, but it was a virgin birth. Jesus was born to a virgin. Wow, amazing thing the Lord has done. And the Lord has one more note here to Joseph's obedience here. By telling us, you know, very clearly that he did not know her till he brought forth her first son and he obeyed the Lord in calling his name Jesus. So he obeyed that too. And there's kind of a side note here. Uh, Jesus and Mary, they did have other children later on. Uh, we see that coming on later in the Gospels and you can check that on your own later if you want to, but uh, they did have other kids. Now we're going to take a look at Mary's encounter with the Lord. And we're so blessed to not only have Joseph's story about the birth of Jesus, but we've got Mary's side of the story as well. So if you want to turn over to Luke chapter 1, we'll take in a little bit of that too. Uh, Luke chapter 1, if you want to look down to verse 26, is where we're going to jump into the story here. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the sixth month was talking about the sixth month after John the Baptist was conceived by Mary's cousin and Elizabeth and her husband. And it says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So we're actually given the angel's name here that the Lord was going to use in bringing this message to Mary. Verse 27, it says, this angel was sent to a virgin, 
betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So you notice here uh, twice it's mentioned that Mary was a virgin. The Lord's bringing that out pretty clearly here. Then it tells us about Joseph. He was from the line of David. And that fulfills the legal side of Jesus being the Messiah from David's line because Joseph, he would be the legal stepfather of Jesus. So uh, Jesus has that heritage of coming from the line of David on both sides, both Mary and uh, through Joseph here. Verse 28, and having come in, the angel said to her, so it's kind of an interesting picture if you look at this, the Lord sent the angel, now the angel comes into where Mary is at and starts to talk to her. And it says, uh, the angel said, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. So it tells us here that this angel come in, came in and started talking to her, and it says Mary was troubled. But it doesn't say she was troubled by the, the, this angelic being who made his entrance and was talking to her, which I would think would be pretty shocking. <laughs> but she was troubled at what he had to say. Kind of interesting. She was trying to figure out why he greeted her the way he did. And from what we're going to see of Mary, she appears to be very humble. So I think when she was told that she is blessed among women, it's like the Lord saying, you're going to be blessed in a way that no other woman is going to be blessed. I think when she heard that, I imagine that kind of stunned her for a second. Because Mary, we see, we're going to see she's really humble, and she's like, I'm sure she's thinking, are you really talking to me? <laughs> is there somebody else in the room? And you think about it, how would it strike you for an angel to show up and say to you that you are super special to the Lord? Ooh, that would kind of get your attention and make you sit up, right? So go on to verse 30 then. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. It looks like fear started to come in, and that's understandable. So it would really be comforting for her to hear that she's found favor with God. I mean, you wonder if she had started to think, I must really be in trouble if some angel showed up to talk with me. <laughs> you know, the Lord's going to let me have it here. But the angel says, don't be afraid, you know. So it'd be really good to hear that the Lord's not upset with you, but you've actually found favor with the Lord. Yeah, kind of like, woof, thank you, Lord. But you know what's so encouraging for us here? If you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you too have found favor with God. That's awesome. Verse 31, the angel said, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. So the angel is explaining to Mary that she's going to have a baby in her womb and it was going to be a boy. And then we see the angel confirm the name of Jesus that should be placed on the baby. So Mary and Joseph both were commanded to name the baby Jesus, meaning God saves. Then verse 32, he will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Can you just see humble Mary trying to take this all in? This baby was very clearly being called the Messiah. 
It's speaking about the throne of his father, David. And do you know that there are Jewish ladies right now who are, who are alive today who are hoping that the Messiah is going to come through their family line. Those who have not accepted the truth about Jesus being the Messiah, they're still hoping that firstborn son they have is going to be the one. That there's still ladies today in the world, Jewish women, who are hoping that's going to be the case. Uh, so this was an amazing thrill for her to hear this. Verse 33, the angel's not done yet. And he will reign over the house of Jacob for how long? Forever. And of his kingdom, when's that going to come to an end? There will be no end. <laughs> how would you like to be told that your son is going to reign as the king of Israel forever? Wow. Wow. Now, verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Well, that's the $64 million question. <laughs> and she is saying she doesn't get it. How could this happen? Now, it's interesting. She must have understood when the angel said, you're going to conceive, that it was going to happen to her right away. Even before she was married, her marriage to Joseph was finalized. You know, from that kind of a question, she wasn't saying, oh, that's cool. Joseph and I are going to get married, get the thing finished, and we're going to have a kid, and it's going to be the Messiah. No, she understood the angel just saying, we're talking now. <laughs> we're talking today, you will have a baby in your womb. <laughs> and Mary's like, I don't understand how that works. So Mary's admitting here too, this is cool evidence the Lord gives us, that Joseph is not the father. I mean, if she could have said, didn't mean to have those relations, sorry about that, I guess I am pregnant and all this. No, there's like, I've had zero relations, so I don't see how this could work. Great proof of the virgin conception here leading to the virgin birth. So Joseph's not the father, and there's no human father because she's had zero relations, right? Uh, verse 35 goes on. The angel answered and said to her, now this is interesting, she said, how's this going to work? The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So, if you want to know how the virgin birth happened, then this is the explanation the Lord gave. Simple, right? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you, and he'll be the Son of God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> It's like, that's a simple explanation, but we still don't get it, you know, how does that work? But notice something here, Jesus is called that Holy One. Holy means set apart. So yes, Jesus was set apart for God's glory, and he was set apart from sin. So this term holy is saying that this birth is unique, and it's supernatural, it is truly of the Lord. So also we've got a clear reference here to Jesus being the Son of God. He had no human father. God was his father. So this is an extremely important reason for the virgin birth here to show how Jesus is in reality the Son of God. Had Joseph been his father, then he would have just been a human being and not the Son of God. So this shows us how amazingly special his birth was. 
You know, it's sad, but the, the liberal churches, those who really don't believe the Bible, take it literally, they try to come up with all kinds of explanations of how this could have happened apart from a supernatural divine intervention of God. And it doesn't make good sense, and a lot of times it has to come up with some kind of immoral explanation. The Lord gave evidence after evidence here from Mary herself. I know no man. I've had zero relations. So you can't concoct your own story and hold to the scripture too. You got to make up your mind. Either take your crazy Hollywood story or stick exactly with what the scripture says. It's right here in, in print for us. The Lord was very blessed, blessed to us to give us that in print. So verse 36 goes on. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. So the Lord here was encouraging Mary by telling her there was another miracle that happened pretty close to home for her. Her own relative, who was past the childbearing age, was now in the midst of her own pregnancy too. So verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. So this is another one of those verses to underline or highlight. The Lord loves to do the impossible, and then he gets all the glory, which he should be. It should all be given to him. Verse 38, then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So this shows us that the Lord didn't just do this and force Mary into it. It was presented to her. And she gave her acceptance of it. And you know, the Lord isn't going to force you to get saved either. The Lord presents his plan to save you by his son Jesus dying on the cross to pay for your sins. But it's up to you to accept the offer of salvation. And I pray that everybody listening to this message would not miss that opportunity to receive Jesus and get forgiveness for their sins. It's beautiful too to see Mary's humble attitude here, calling herself a maidservant of the Lord. You know, the term that she uses here is that same term for bondservant we say later in the New Testament that Paul and others used. And it means here that Mary is, is willing to serve the Lord for the rest of her life because of her love for the Lord. And Mary fully accepted all that the Lord had for her to do. He said, you know, let your word be done according to me. What a great Christmas present if we can give back to the Lord to rededicate our life to Jesus today. Now, there's another verse I want you to look at before we stop on this. Look over to chapter 2 of Luke. Just turn over a page or so. Look down to verse 21. So this is after Jesus had been born. In Luke 2, 21, it says, And when... Eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, and a male child was supposed to be circumcised on the eighth day. On that day, his name was called Jesus. It says the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So this shows the precision and the consistency in the Bible. It confirms again that the name of Jesus was to be given to the baby, and Mary was told that before he was even conceived in the womb. So evidence after evidence after evidence that this is a true, accurate story. We know the Bible is a true, accurate historical document. 
People may not like what it says, but it is the most accurate historical document from this time period that we have. So you can argue with what's, what it says if you don't like it, but this is all true, absolutely true historical information. Now, just a few more thoughts on the virgin birth. Why is the virgin birth so important? The very most important reason is because God's word says that it's true. <laughs> the Lord predicted it in the Old Testament, and it actually happened to Mary, and that's recorded for us in the New Testament. So why is it so important? Because God said it, was tr it happened and it was true. If God says it, that makes it extremely important, okay? We see, too, that there's another important element that's involved in the virgin birth. How can you provide a human being to be a sinless, perfect sacrifice if every human being born from the time of Adam and Eve's fall in the garden is born with a sin nature? How do you get around that? Well, the virgin birth seems to supply an answer. It appears that the sin nature from Adam is passed on through the father. We got passages kind of like Romans 5, 12. It says, just as through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin and, then, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. So this seems to support the idea of sin coming from the man's side. There's also, also the passage in Genesis 3.15 that talks about the seed of the woman, which is not normal. The, the woman doesn't have the seed. The, the male has the seed. So when the Lord started talking way back then, after the fall, about the seed of the woman, it seems like that seed of the woman was somehow going to bypass the seed of the man in the birthing process. And that would be to avoid having the baby being tainted with the sin nature. But without trying to sound too technical, we need to be careful when we follow this line of thought. Because some have said that the virgin birth made Jesus sinless. <laughs> That's not true, okay? Jesus has always been sinless, even before he was born to Mary. So it'd be more accurate to say that the virgin birth protected his sinless nature that already existed before Mary conceived him in her womb. Like I said, not trying to get too technical, but if you like splitting hairs in theology, there's one that's a, a really important one. You want to be careful, okay? So if Jesus had a human father, then he would have been tainted with a sin nature like we all have, and also he would not have been the son of God. So we may not understand everything when it comes to the virgin birth, but it seems to be an essential element for the Messiah to be born as a human being without sin, okay? And I told you I'd give you these verses, so I'll give you these at the end here. We have some amazing verses on the sinlessness of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be the sin offering for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hebrews 4.15, And we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was at all points tempted as we are, yet he was without sin. Then 1 John 3, 5 says, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. And there are other verses you can go to as well that talk about Christ being sinless. So the importance of the virgin birth, the Lord started moving on my heart with this a couple of weeks ago, 
It reminded me of something. I'll tell you this as we close here in this. A few years back, and it's been a few years, I was asked to be on the board for a pastor, uh, a guy who was seeking to be a pastor of a church. And as we were questioning him and asking him about his belief system and everything, we got to the virgin birth, and he kind of said, well, it's, it's not a big deal, but, you know, the Bible says it happened. And that threw a flag up for us. We, the guys on the board, we kind of looked at each other, you know, like, huh, wonder why he's thinking that. So we didn't jump on him. We just started asking questions. Well, why do you think the virgin birth isn't such a big deal? Why is that? And we started backing him up to find out. It's like a domino, you know, something's wrong in your theology somewhere, your biblical theology, not your man-made stuff. But if there's something wrong, it's a domino that affects other things. So we started asking questions and backing him up, and we found out what the problem was. He didn't understand that way back in the garden when Adam and Eve were, were first created, that they did not have a sin nature. Okay, so without that understanding, he just assumed we were created with a sin nature, right? So we went through that with him, you know, explained to him that, you know, when God created man, everything was holy, he said, everything was good. There was no sin nature in man. That sin nature didn't happen until after Adam and Eve sinned and fell. And from that point on, everyone that comes from them has that sin nature. So then we were able to help him put the pieces together to let him see why the virgin birth is really important to protect the sinless nature of Christ and bring a human being into this world who would not be tainted with the sin nature. So it's interesting, isn't it? You would think, what's the big deal? It's a, it's a really big deal. You know, This had to happen for Jesus to be the true son of God, and it had to happen too somewhere in there to protect that sinless nature that he already possessed. So uh, it's interesting. Yeah, so a good understanding of the whole word of God helps us greatly to have understanding of what God's trying to tell us and how every single thing fits perfectly. It's amazing, okay? So let's close the prayer at this point and let's just pray. Father, I thank you so much for your perfect word. And Lord, as you point things out to us about the virgin birth and how in our understanding it doesn't make a lot of sense how that could have happened so long ago, but Lord, you give us the full explanation that it was by your spirit by your overshadowing power that you made that happen. And that's our Savior. Lord, we praise you so much for your perfect plan. We could never have figured how to do that, Lord. We'd have been stuck still at the, at the drawing board trying to figure out how can we get a perfect sacrifice? It just can't happen. But Lord, in your great wisdom, amazing Lord, that you came up with this perfect plan. You provided the perfect lamb the one without spot, without blemish, the one without sin. And Lord, what it must have cost you, your own dear son, he was the Lamb of God. Father, we thank you for this great moment that you give us to celebrate the coming of your son, Jesus. And although we see our society turning further and further away from you, Lord, help us to not lose any ground in our own walk with you. Help us to stand firm in declaring that Jesus came to save people. Thank you, Lord, for your great love, and especially this time of year. We, we rejoice with you, Lord, and we want to give back all the praise, all the honor, all the glory, and the precious name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.